Hey everybody, On the Road with Beards and Dunn is back for another episode, and we actually have the Beards with us! Dunn! Beards! I'm back in the saddle again. <laughs> well, bring us up to speed. You know, Rod DeHaven was so gracious and helped us out last week. I had a great chit-chat with him, and, and Rod is just amazing athlete, you know, when you think of his... No uh, kidding. You know, when I talked to him about his range, he ran a 148-800 that's two 54-second quarters back-to-back. I couldn't do one of those in Crazy. my prime by itself, let alone two of them. And then all the way to a 211 marathon and, and all kinds of races in between. And so we had a great time, and we kind of and we both missed you. It was too bad you couldn't be here. Where were you, by the way? Oh, man, Don. This has been an ordeal. So, you know, it's gone back since the end of July. You know, I got this infection in my left knee replacement, and I've had four surgeries— so on the 29th of September, it was looking bad. So they, I contacted my local doctor, and then they contacted the, 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 this specialist orthopedic in Fargo, and they said, get over here. So I get over there. I was in the hospital for, gosh dang, 12 days on heavy-duty antibiotics. And just recently, this past Monday, they went in there and cleaned it all out again, and, and now I've got... Um, I've, I've, I've got a pick line in. I'm giving myself these heavy-duty antibiotics for three weeks. And done. I had like four different doctors over there saying four different things what they're going to do. Well, the main surgeon was in Hawaii, but they were sending him pictures, keeping him updated. So the middle of last week, I got a doctor came in. He says, yep, you, you, you've got um, uh, infection in the joint. So it, it's going to have to come out the old knee. So mentally I got myself all ready to do yeah, that. Dialed it in. Yeah. Dialed it in. Well then a few days later they came and they go, well, now we're not so sure if we're going to do that. So I had, now I'm sitting in limbo. So this past Monday morning, they wheeled me. I'm the first one on the OR that morning at seven o'clock. So the doc comes in, I go, doc, I go, what's going on? I said, are you pulling this stuff out? He goes, well, Dick, he goes, he goes, I tell you, you know, you've already had two knee replacements there. He goes, doing this third one, he said, I could pull it out, but it is major big-time surgery. He said, we're going to see if we can try this one more time. I'm going to go in there, clean everything out, sew it back up, put a, a, a what do they call it? Wound, uh, vac. wound vac. Wound vac on there and, um, and put you on heavy-duty antibiotics for three weeks. We'll see how it looks after that. And then, Hopefully, yeah. this will take care of it. If not, then they'll probably have to take it out. But it done. I was in the hospital for, gosh dang, 12 days. I was going crazy. That's, a, that's the, putting you in a, in a cage. And it's done. Like a, a I, so down. when I was there, you know, I didn't shave. So yeah, yeah, I noticed that. I, I, you, it's hard to see if people are watching on YouTube because <laughs> my, 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 I got a beard. It, but it's gray. It's you white. Know? It's yeah. transparent. Well, you know, I grew a beard back in 1981. In fact. When I ran the Houston Marathon in 1981, I had a beard, yeah, yeah. and but it was ugly. It was red and brown, and it just <laughs> looked terrible. Well, now it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's not even gray. It's like silver. Well, welcome to the club, buddy. Look at my stash. And my if I I haven't shaved, you know, being retired, you know, I, I and in case anybody was wondering, I've had a few people, people say, "Hey, Mike, how you like your retirement?" The only way I can describe it is every night feels like Friday night to me. <laughs> I and love every it. Every morning, every day feels like Saturday to me. I love it. 
I do, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I loved Friday night. Friday night is like, woohoo, you know, it's Friday night. Let's have fun. Sure. Work. You know, you don't have to worry about work for a couple of days. You don't even think about it. And then Saturday, you know, that's a fun day. You can do all the stuff you want to get done. And then Sunday, I always say Monday poison Sunday. You know, <laughs> and well, that's an old saying. Every day, every night's Friday night, and every day Saturday. And so well, I'm loving it. I'm loving good. it. We did a 30 day road trip, and you know all about that. Well, well, anyway, it's so good to have you back, bud. Oh, done. Believe oh. me, it, it it feels good to be back. And uh, thanks for and a big thanks out to Rod DeHaven too for filling in last week. And and yeah. I can't wait to. Uh, I'm going to listen to the podcast. I'm heading out to South Dakota. Uh, fishing on Sunday, and so I, I can't wait to listen on my way out there. Oh, cool! Oh, he did a great job. He he did a great job. Well, let's. You know, we the last time you and I chit chatted, we just did the hour run together, and that, you know that's that's one of the highlights of my running career. In all honesty, you know, people always you kind of wonder what was your best race you ever. You know, you'd like to say, well, my marathon PR. You know, that was a great race for me. Or you know, you have races that you you really felt like really. Really, you nailed it. Um, I, you know, you can be thinking because I'm going to ask you here when I'm done yapping. What if one race comes to mind where you feel like, man, I nailed that one? Um, <laughs> I know you. You always had. You always knew there was a better one in the bag. You felt like, but well, I always but felt hour, like there was. Well, that hour run for me, you know, as a high school kid, I dreamt of running a five minute mile, and you know, and then you do it, and it's so exciting, and all the year, yeah, it's a lot of work to get to that kind of fitness. Oh yeah. And then I, you know, to be able to do an hour run and, and even though I came up 80 yards short of, of 12 miles, it's so close. Yeah. So close. It came out to like five Oh one a mile right. for, for 11 miles short, 12 miles short, 80 yards. And so I kind of you thought, man, you know, that, that for me was kind of the, one of my better performances ever. It also was very, um, uh, what's the word? It really grounded me too. in that the realization that beards, you know, to be a, a, a world-class marathoner as yourself, you got to you gotta be able to go out and do, uh, well, back in those days, if you could do five-minute miles for 26 miles, right. that's, that's a 211.07 approximately exactly. a marathon. And that's, 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 that's world-class. You know, you can all, you know, they, what's world-class, what's national class, what's regional class, whatever. And, you know, I kind of was touching on that regional trying to break into the national class. You know, I think you had to be around about 215 to consider yeah. yourself a national, you know, maybe sub 220, you know, sub 220 back in the day was, Oh yeah. Was, that was, was big respectable. Deal. Yeah. It was, you know, that, I, everybody was kind of, that was the goal and stuff. Right. But if you're going to do this as a living two eleven or better, you yep. know, I, in my mind, uh, people right. can argue that, you know, all day long, if you want to, in that race, when I did 12 of them, I have to be honest with you, Beards. There went a lot left in the tank, you know, and now I know you ran that race and in your log, you said I ran, I think you had, I hate to say, you said I ran easy. Well, for you, I mean, you weren't killing yourself. You well, were under done. control, totally aerobic. The, the neat thing about that race is, and that's, you know, I never, once I got out of college, I never ran any track races really. But, you know, the nice thing about running on a track is mm. you get in that rhythm. And, oh, yeah. and, you know, you, there's no hills, you know, there might've been a little wind, but then you get it on the backside, you know, yeah, at your back. you yeah. and you, you know, you kind of, you get in that rhythm and it just, you know, it, and it, it, it happened to me in other races, road races too, when you get in that rhythm and, you know, it, it seems, I'm not saying it was easy, but <laughs> it, it felt like I was running Natural. six minute pace or something. Yeah. We did, I see it in cycling too. Sometimes you you know we, we call it, and maybe runners you call it you're in the zone. You right. Know, basketball guys get in the zone where they can't miss you know and stuff. You get in the zone 
And that zone's a pretty sweet spot where you're putting in that, that effort that should hurt a lot more than it actually is because you're, quote, in yes. the zone sort of thing. You know, and I did find my, I put that up on our, um, I think I put it up on our site. And uh, or, yeah, I did. I put a little blog on or on our Facebook site, my splits. I never ran a faster quarter during that event than a 73, and I never ran a slower quarter than 77. Well, I tell you, I tell you that's yeah. right. I mean. Oh, that's like, but I know if we looked at yours, I'm, I think in you were probably 73 to 74, 73, 74, yep. 73, 70, maybe you threw in a few 75s because you ended up averaging 74 seconds per quarter yeah. for 48 quarters. Now, the new world <laughs> record, I just saw this on oh, YouTube gosh. or on Facebook. If you take, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, Kipto? Or, uh, yeah, wrong? it's um, Kelvin Kiptum. Kiptum. If you broke it down to 104 laps on a 400-meter track, because that's what a marathon works right. out, 26.2, it's 68.4 like, oh per 400 meters. So, you know, I, I know Beards, in your day, you could have knocked out 68-second quarters, I think, for a 10K. Probably. I don't, I don't have any doubt you could have done it. But when you think about a marathon, 104 laps at 68 second pace, never taking a break. Just I knocking know. them out. 68, 68, 68. Well done. Then, yeah. Well, let, and before we end the podcast today, we'll get into talking a little what bit about this about Kelvin Kiptum. Yeah, well, I don't think, and that's going to be around for a long time because the shoes... You know, with this power, you know, if you're saying four or five up to six percent efficiency savings or energy return, that's huge. It's four minutes right. for a world class marathoner. And and I'm not taking anything away from this dude. I mean, bless his heart. He had the everybody else has the shoes on too, and they're all they couldn't beat him. But you know, it is kind of sad uh, when you try to compare uh, eras. It's you know, because yeah, you can't, you like, can't do it's it. It's apples it, to oranges. It is, it is. Well, anyway, so we finished up that hour run. And I was on a roll. I mean, I was racing about every weekend, and I think you had been too. And then I think after that hour run, I know my focus changed because uh, I was going to run the Black Hills Marathon in September. Uh, so that, and I knew that after the hour run, I think it was about two weeks later. What was your thoughts after the hour run? What did you have on your agenda? Well, so I was going to go back, and I did. In September, I went back and ran the Heart of Thunder Bay Half Marathon. I went. I was there with you. Yeah, cause I, well, I won it in '81, and then yes. went back in '82. But you know, done. So after the hour run in Brookings, you know, I started having my my left Achilles started kind of giving me a little grief, hmm. and and whatnot. And uh, so you know, when you're young, you know, you just kind of run through that stuff. No big deal and, and everything. So I remember I, I went up to the heart of Thunder Bay, ran there, and I, I, I remember I'd come down with a bad cold. I put this on our site. And I don't know if you have a chance to go look at it. Dear Beers, when you have a few minutes, go to our site. I will. <laughs> and go under extras. And I have a photo of you coming into the finish that I think either Karen took with one of our old Instamatic cameras. Yeah. So you're not totally framed, but... I remember, because um, I ran the 10K, because they wanted me to run the half marathon, because we got invited. I don't know if you had anything to do with it, but I, it was two weeks after Black Hills Marathon, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I went up there, and they said, well, if we're going to bring you in, we want you to run the half marathon. I said, look, I just ran a marathon two weeks ago. I love to come, but I, I want to run the 10K. And they were like, okay. And Gary Bjorklund was in the 10K, and they had some yeah. good guys. And I, and I because I thought, man, my legs... I wasn't ready for a half marathon. Well, anyway, there's a picture of you coming in, but 
just to knock, I, I was there with you guys. Mary was there. Karen yeah. was there. We had a great time. And you did have a, I mentioned Beards had a bad head cold and you were snotting up, flip, oh. stuff like that. And you know, a lot of guys would have bailed. I think a lot of guys would say, look, I got a head cold. I'm sick. I'm not going to, uh, can I just, I'll shoot the gun. I'll help right. you hand out awards, you know, and stuff. But I, I don't know if there was some money on the line. And no, you, there, you know, I had thought about it because I really was not feeling good. No. But, you know, the, the folks in Thunder Bay had always treated me so good. And, you know, I'd already, you know, I committed to running the half marathon and I thought, you, what the heck? You didn't want to let them down. Yeah, I didn't want to let them down. And, well, here's and, the, you took yeah. off and, and I was kind of getting ready for the 10K. You, the half marathoners took off and they had a helicopter and we could kind of see where you were based on, it's like pro cycling. The helicopter is usually following the lead path. Sure. And we could see this ding helicopter circling out in the countryside, wherever <laughs> they ran you guys. And all at once it started heading back into town. And who's the first guy back, but the beards. And I was thinking like, whoa. And, and I, if I, I remember you were, you looked like you were working. Well, there was an Irish guy. I can't think of his name. And was there a guy named for Canada from like Art Boloy? 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 Yeah, he was in it, I think. He was but, tough. But there was an Irishman that they'd brought in. And uh, and him and I were duking, duking it out for like, I mean, like eight, nine, ten miles. And you got away from him somewhere out there. I, I got away from him, him but yeah. I you, had to work. You were. in the. Well, if you look at our site, you'll see a picture, and the look on your face isn't one of relaxation and, <laughs> and enjoyment. It's like I'm getting this. You were working hard. And I got a quick snapshot. I think Karen grab, grabbed a shot of me at the start, which is probably the best I looked that whole race, <laughs> running next to Mike Palmquist. Yeah. And Mike and I are running side by side, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool shot. But that was so much fun. And so... So that was your next race after that hour run was. Yeah. Okay. And you so know, I, that was a yeah. big race back it then. It was. Oh, it was. They brought in, like I said, I came in they brought, if I remember right, Brooks paid my expenses um, to, re, Karen and I, our car was so beat up. We rented a car and Brooks paid for the rental car. I think it was part of my deal. I got so much travel sure. expense. And back in those days, car rental wasn't like it is today. No. <laughs> because now it's it's like, man, you better go to the bank first. Oh, no uh, kidding. But we, it was like 150 bucks for a week, and so we rented a car and drove up to Thunder Bay with you guys. Um, so I ran the Black Hills Marathon, though, and so uh, but the week, uh, about two weeks after our hour run and two weeks before Thunder Bay. and So that, and that was, was on your docket before the hour yeah, run. Yeah, I had kind of planned on it, and they had a, uh, Larry, they had a new race director. The year I won it in 79, this is now 82, it's Four years later, three years later, uh, yeah, the, well, the, the fourth race since, since I'd won it. And they had a new race director. Larry Simonson was his name. Nice guy. And I really wanted to run it. But I kind of also had Twin Cities Marathon on my mind. Yeah. And that was going to be a month after Black Hills. And, and I was kind of weighing, should I wait till Twin Cities? But I, I like the Black Hills race. And, and he said, Mike, if you come out here, I'll give you 300 bucks, room and board. Nice. And free entry. And I thought, and I put on the website, I have a picture. And I said, it's the only race I ever got paid to run. And so, you know, I guess I could say I was a professional runner if I. Right. Absolutely. I, you couldn't admit it then because you'd lose your amateur status. Yes. And believe you me, that 300 bucks. Well, you know, they may have paid my motel room and my entry fee, but I had to drive out there. They didn't pay my, well, the gas came out of that $300. Right. You know? Meals on the way. Anyway, so yeah, it wasn't like you're swimming in dough, buying yachts or anything like that. Exactly. So I went out there and um, it was a pretty good, you know, back in the day, uh, a Black Hills Marathon had a reputation of being a fast course because it was right. mostly downhill. 
And like we talked about a few episodes ago, but the, most of the downhill came in one mile outside of Rapid City by the fish hatchery where you drop from like, oh, I don't know, 4,000 feet down to 3,000 feet in like a mile. Was I out there in 82 when you now, ran it? We, you and I did the radio in that like in 84, 85. Okay. But it was, but it was kind of cool. So I got race number one because I had the course records. Well, yeah. Of, and I don't think any other defending champ had ever come back. And, and, uh, but Rob Kinnanen came out and Rob was a heck of a runner. You know, I'm yeah. the, you know, Rob was one of a, a competitor. He and I duped it out all through college and on the roads. I know, um, he, he beat me at the Brandon 20 K right before this race. Uh, we were together to the, till we about the last 200 meters and man, I tried putting a move on him with about an 800 to go because I didn't want to sprint with him. I thought I could break him before the, the track. We finished on a track in Brandon. And so I made a move with about 800 to go, a hard move. I put all my eggs in one basket. <laughs> I, he didn't, I couldn't drop him. And when we hit the track, he had one more gear left. I was, he beat me by 10 seconds in the last like 200 meters. You know, he was sprinting and I was like, uh, uh, it not, happens. It happens. And, and he ran like, uh, one Oh three fifty and I ran like one Oh four flat for 20 K and, and that's okay. But then at the hour run, I beat, we, I turned it around and beat him there. Right. And so he shows up for the black Hills marathon and I'm thinking, all right, Rod, Rod, uh, Rob and I are going to have a duel. And then a bunch of guys like Jim Glanzer, Glazer from black Hill state. I remember Jim, Jim. was there, uh, Jerry, um, the guy who was up finished second was a good kid out of Nebraska, and his name escapes me, but it's on our, our race results there. In fact, I think Ben just put it up on our screen. If you're on YouTube, you might be. Let me click on that. Gerald Zukowski, I think was his name. Well, there was a bunch of good guys. And so I thought, well, unlike 1979, when I kind of had the race all to myself, this time that ain't going to happen. You know? And it didn't. We took off the same course I'd run four years earlier and, or three years earlier, and and uh, there was a group of us, and we stuck together through about five miles for sure. Now, what and kind I, of what kind of splits were you running well, early pretty, on? It was pretty. Uh, it was pretty relaxed. Um, in that, I'm bringing them up here so I can try to read them. We went through the first uh, five miles. It says five twenty-seven per mile pace. So, um, not 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 yeah. killing it, you know, not going uh, super hard. And then I think the next uh, five miles. In fact, if I can get it back on here, Ben. Um, we, I put the hammer down cause it was like, it's kind of like you beards where you go, this pack is too big. Right. You know, you got like four or five or six guys all kind of moving around, trying not to lead and all this. And there it is. And I can't quite make it out, but the next five miles, I dropped it down to five fourteen a mile. Oh, that, that'll hurt people. Then the next five miles was like five eleven a mile. And then the next five miles were like five twelve pace. Dang. Mile. So for those 15 miles from five to tw- from five to 15, that's only 10 miles. Five to 20. Five to 20. It was, it was five average around five twelve pace. You were hammering. Yeah. I got away from everybody. And Rob, I, I dropped him on that from five to 10 miles on a uphill section and, and he had a bad knee. Uh, he had kind of had a chronic knee tendonitis, like all of runners tend to have and he ended up not finishing. And, and I was thinking Rod was going to, you know, when you're running, you're always very, oh, yeah. the thing of looking behind you, you just think, Oh, they're going to come back. And one of the biggest, happiest moments of my life is when I saw Rob Kinnanen driving by in a car <laughs> with his head hanging out the window going, Hey Mike, you're looking great. Keep up the good work. And I'm thinking, Rob, you know, it's like, I didn't know, I didn't know he'd fall. So I'm thinking, right. okay, that's one less guy I got to worry exactly. about, you know? And so, um, everything was going great. I was running pretty good. And then we got to downtown and I tell you beards, after you come down that big downhill, oh, outside, I can't even imagine you hit the flat and it feels like you're running uphill. It's got I, to, it's, it's that 
eccentric contraction that you're doing absorbing the shock as you're running downhill, it does, it just taxes your muscles. And uh, I got to West Boulevard and it was the last uphill of the race. And I remember it might as well have been a mountain. You know, it was probably like a block of like shallow uphill, you know, sort yeah. of thing. At that point, any uphill doesn't look like a good idea. No. And, and I think it says here, I ran for the last 10K, 546 pace. So I might've been averaging, you know, like 515s for the first 20. But, right. but the last 10K was not a pretty sight. Ended up winning in 22108. Uh, and so can't complain. It was great. Had a great time. My mom and dad were there. Uh, Karen, you know, was there. It was it was sure. a big celebration. We spent the night out at my folks' cabin and and had a great had a great time. And so that was cool. And then two weeks later, I went up to Thunder Bay, did the 10K with you. That was just you know, beards. Whenever we got to go do races together, or even though we, we did always run the had same fun. race, oh, we always had a good time. You know, no matter how the race was going to end no. out, we'll still enjoy each other's company and you know, with our wives and all that sort of stuff. It was a lot of fun. And then Doug, I do you remember back. what you do you remember what you ran the 10k yes. up at Thunder Bay? Oh, uh, do I have to admit it? 3210. I looked it up. And so, I mean, oh, beards. 2 weeks after a marathon. Well, and especially that marathon which had pounded people my People don't realize uh, that mile that Mike's talking about, uh, that downhill, it is brutal. It is brutal. It's it if you can run it efficiently, it it helps you, but it it's a two-edged sword. Right. The, the time you make up going down that hill, I swear you're going to pay a price and and you know how do I want to I don't want to sound like I'm breaking, but I ran 22031 there. They had that race for about oh, that same course for 20 to 25 years afterwards. Yeah. Nobody ever ran faster. And they had some good guys come out. There was a guy that ran for a sub four out of California. And he came out two or three times because he kept looking at the race profile and going, I'm going to, I can, you know, smash this marathon. Yeah. Because you, know, you always think of, well, you know, it, that's got to be good. And, and I think they found Never out happened. like I did. It, it, it pounds you pretty good. Well, I came back two weeks later, tried to run a 10K. And man, um, even though the pain wasn't there, you know, after a marathon, my quads usually hurt for a good two to three days because of yeah. the damage I'd done to them. I was hitting the ibuprofen hard. Right. Know, and I'd still try to go run, which is like we always said, why bother? But we did because <laughs> we were addicted or thought we had to. And finally, the pain goes away and you go, well, OK, I guess I'm back. I think there's still residual. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, who is the ancient marathoner? Jack Foster from New Zealand. He always said, for every day you race, every mile you race, you should take a day of recovery. So like a hard 10K, you should probably take the next week. Right. right. You know, you should train, but not heavy. You know, no, no. intervals or hills. Easy or, running. Yeah. And if you do a marathon, well, gosh, that sounds like a, a month of a month. easy running. You know, not like you're not going to train. You're laying on the couch. But no, right. you're going to go out and maybe do some cross training, do some cycling, swimming, some, you know, running, but just totally zone two, as we call it now, where it's comfortable. Yeah, not us. I was probably trying to do a few track workouts right before that 10K <laughs> to work on my leg speed or something. And anyway, about halfway through that 10K, man, when the wheels come off, you're just, you know, it's kind of like you at the end of grandma's. I just yeah. want this to be over with. One get it step done with. The, get it done with. Anyway, yeah. so that was that. But then two weeks later, Twin Cities Marathon comes around. And because you had another, you were, you know, you always had a tough time. You wanted to do Twin Cities since you're a Minnesota boy. Right. But you also had an appointment with New York City. And El yeah. Pedro and, Salazar. you know, so done. I look back at that and, you know, Coach Squire's, 
literally everybody after the race Salazar and I had at Boston, Coach Squires almost immediately said, Dickie, you're not you're not racing against him again until the Olympic trials. He goes, There's no reason to and I really wanted to run New York and and he was, you know, my family, Coach Squires was, you know, we're not doing New York. Well then and I look back on this now, so then I get a I get a call from uh manu- manufacturers, Hanover manufacturers. The, they were the, the major big, sponsor, big right? bank. Yeah. yeah, they were a big sponsor then. Well, they, they called me up and really wanted me to run it. And How bad did they, they want you? Well, <laughs> they said we'll give you ten thousand dollars. Okay, that's and you know <laughs> done. You know what? It's, you know we were all scraping the barrel back then, oh, trying had, to make yeah. a living. <laughs> you know, and ten thousand dollars was a lot of money, and I kind of let it. Oh, well, hindsight's twenty twenty, Beard. You it know is, that. and I kind of let it make the decision for me. I'm thinking, man, they're going to pay me 10000 bucks To show up. To show up, and so I decided I'm going to run, you know, I'm going to run New York, and and so my training was going good. I could tell after the, um, Thunder, Bay. the Thunder Bay races that, you know, you know, I'd come down with that bad cold, so part of me is thinking, man, I'm probably – pushing the, the training a little too hard. You know how that goes. You know, you can kind of overtrain. You start coming down with a cold Maybe, or yeah, yeah, an injury, injury. something like that, you know. Well, then my, my left Achilles, you know, started bothering me. And, and uh, again, if I would have just taken a few days off, probably would have been fine. But I thought, nah, it's it's nothing. It's nothing. So I get up to, uh, I, I commit to New York. So I remember it was two days before the marathon and they have this big press conference and Alberto's going for his, I think third, third. straight, Damn. third one. Yeah. So the, we're him and I are at the, at the table together and all the, the media is there and they're asking us all kinds of questions and everybody was, I mean, they were fired up cause they knew what happened a few months earlier at Boston. And so we get done with the press conference and the, all the, the journalists there, they go, Alberto, Dick, can you come outside? We want to get a photo of you with your Dukes up. Yeah, you know, like two prize fighters. Yeah. And and Alberto and I looked at each other. We're going, we, we're not putting our Dukes up like it's a Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier fight or yeah, anything like they just, that. They just try to sell newspapers. Oh, for sure. So the next day, so I always did about a four-mile shakeout run the day before the marathon. And I and I really thought I thought it might come down, sort of like it did at New York. Yeah. So I I took a taxi to like the 22 mile mark, and I ran that last I ran the last four miles of the course, and I remember I remember when I finished there in um, in uh, Central Park. Yeah. Central Park. Yeah. I mean I was I was hobbling my my left Achilles hurt so bad, and I. You know, I just kind of, I stopped and I walked back to the hotel and I tried not to be limping. And I remember getting back to the hotel and I took the trash can and emptied it out and I filled it with ice. Mm-hmm. And I stuck my my foot in there and, it was, you know, took a bunch of ibuprofen. And and so the next morning I get up and, and it's tight, but I'm thinking, ah, you know, it'll be fine. And, and so, you know, you start on the Verrazano Bridge. So... 
you're basically going uphill and then you go downhill. Well, by the time we got off the Verrazano Bridge, I think like the first mile and a half, two miles, you're on the bridge. And I come off the bridge and we get down into the whatever borough that you're in at that point. Yeah. And and already my my left calf was like a rock. But and but I'm physically other than that, I'm feeling good because we were running not super fast. We were running a little bit under five minute pace. Mm. Now I don't want to sound like I'm bragging because I couldn't do that for one lap now, but <laughs> it it it, it should good. have felt yeah. easy. Yeah. And it did. It felt good. Well done. Pretty soon now, my right calf, I must have been compensating a little bit. That thing starts tightening up. And at about halfway, nobody put in a surge. And I was up there with Alberto and a bunch of other top runners. Yeah. Nobody put in a surge. They were, we were running the same pace. But my legs, my calves, were, I was like running on on sticks. And there was no bounce in them. And they, they just started slowly pulling away. And there was nothing I could do. And, you know, the race turned out exactly like, they were hoping it would, except Rodolfo Gomez. Yeah. it was Rodolfo Gomez that yeah. came down to a very close finish at the end. And I remember I hobbled in in two hours and 18, 18. minutes that day. And, of course, right away, they they take me right to the media tent. And I've got cameras in front what, of me. What and, happened? <laughs> yeah, ex- that was it. What happened? And and I, I never used it as an excuse. I, I didn't say, oh, my Achilles was bothering me. I just said, you know, I just... I felt pretty good until about halfway, and then I just kind of ran out of gas, and um, and I kind of that was kind of started my kind of a downhill slide after that because of my left Achilles. All right, all right. Well, I was I wanted to talk about my Twin Cities marathon, but now I'm kind of depressed. Well, no, even, let's talk about, <laughs> I don't that. Even want to talk about that. But now we're gonna we'll come back. Look, we're gonna. <laughs> We'll come back to the, what happened post-New York, because I can't really remember personally what happened post-New York. But two weeks before New York, you then graciously, because you have that radio voice, and you have a radio, I shouldn't say you have a face for radio. Well, no, that you're right, I do. <laughs> it's a terrible line, but I've heard people use that that's one before. That's true. But you, know, you were always in demand as color commentary for like, yeah. and you still are for WCCO. Right. Yeah. And, they, I don't know how when you well the the 1982 was the first very new first Twin one. Cities marathon instead of the Land and Lakes marathon around those two little lakes, but and they had recruited you or asked you and I hope you got paid for that. I don't know what you know. They, do done, they, do I, they do it for free or don't you? Remember? No, I think I got. I, I think I I probably got paid like 500 bucks. Yeah, or you something know, like they, that. they should compensate you for your, your expertise and time. But you were on color. You were the radio guy, and so um. We got to town the day before the race, and, and I'm sure, you know, talked, chit-chatted with you. Karen and I stayed right at the starting line. I can't remember, the North Star Hotel or something okay, like that. Okay, yep. Yeah, and uh, nice place. And I think uh, I think I got the room and entry for free. You know, um, the fact that I'd run um, 219 at Houston right. in 81 and, and ran Grandma's, that you know. And I'm trying to think of the name of the guy, the race director. Jack had a big black mustache. Uh, or Jack Moran. Yeah, Jack Moran. Yeah. Nice guy. And, and I know oh, I yeah. think he, he got me an in, got me an entry, got me a hotel room there. And Callie, our daughter, who who has just had her own daughter here about a month or a right. month ago, um, she was a newborn. She was born in the end of May. So this is now, tell me, 
when was the first weekend of October, I think. Yeah, that first weekend of October. Yep. And she's with us. I remember there's a picture of me laying on this hotel, and she's laying on my chest, oh. like, listening to my heart, and a little baby infant girl. <laughs> and so the night before the race, well, that morning then it was pretty nice, got up, was able to like just run right to the starting line. And a uh, perfect day to run. And the Twin Cities had really done a great job. It's, uh, the Norwegian background up there, they had brought in Inga Simonson, Alan Zachariasen, yes. some guy named Stig Roar Husby. I don't even know how they come up with those kind of names. But those Vikings have some interesting right. names. Right. And then all the local yokels. I mean, oh, Alan yeah. Zetterland, um, you know, um, oh, I can't even, I'll, I'll leave out too many people's names. Lloyd Ness, all those guys were there. And I was there and I thought, you know, I felt great. I was recovered. You know, I, a month earlier, did Black Hills, went to Thunder Bay, and my legs hurt so bad. But then I think I pretty much chilled. Sure. So I went up to Twin Cities with the idea of, what the heck, it's going to be my last, pretty much last race of the year. Here it is, October. Right. And I, I don't know, I don't remember, but I made the mental decision to go out with the leaders. And so the gun went off, and the group, you know how that lead pack forms up, and I have no recollection of splits. I wish I did. Probably, you know, a little over <laughs> five-minute miles, something like that. And I just jumped into the back of the pack and got caught up in that draft, kind of like the Peloton and cycling. And and I actually have a nice photo that I found off the uh, the Twin Cities. If you Google there, you can get race results all the way back to 82. Sure. Now. And um, there's a picture of the lead pack, and there's Inga Simonson, uh, Paul, Dr. Paul Rather, Rather right. uh, Alan Zacharyson, me, uh, Stig Husby, Al Zetter, all of us guys in the lead pack. Paul Mosling, if you remember, was off the front. He had taken That's it right. out. Like, and I, some five minute, he, he went solo early. And I remember you, we could, how you could hear, I could hear your radio commentary. I think they had loudspeakers. Well, we, and we were the lead. We were the yes. lead vehicle. And you, and you had speakers so we could hear yeah. what you were saying. And every now and then I'd hear my name because you'd always go in, Mike Dunlap, you know, South Dakota. <laughs> and I, and I was thinking, that's, that's my bud Beards up there give, giving me a plug. Right. And, um, and so the, we went through in 107, I remember. Uh, which isn't that, which is fast, but it's 214 pace. Yo, no, I'm, as, I'm happy. But, you, you know, I'm, oh, I'm hanging. Ben put the picture up here if you're I watching saw it. I YouTube. love the picture. Yeah, it's a great shot. And Al Zacharyson, number four. Right, number Inga four. Inga Simonson over Paul Rather's uh, shoulder. And I know Inga was injured. I don't think he even planned to finish that darn race. I think they okay. brought him over as part of the Norwegian contingent. Sure. I'm not going to use Bregan rights. I beat him, you know, fair and square. Because I think I remember you had talked to him. Because you guys are, you know, after right. 81, you guys, I don't know if he learned any English or you learned any Norwegian by then. But, I, you know, you guys had talked, and I think oh, for said sure. he said he wasn't fit. He had been hurt. But it was kind of like you, maybe. <laughs> he made the commitment that he'd come to the Twin Cities. Right. They, the Norwegian people love him over there. And uh, so he showed up and, and ran, started the race. And so it went through in 107. And I remember uh, Paul Mosling, we could see him up the road, and Alan Zachariasen took off. He negative split that day because he ran a 212. So if he right. went out in 107, he came back in 105. Dang. And I remember he threw the hammer down and he left the pack and beards in the, and I was right there when we saw him go. And there was that moment where you say, should I go with this guy? Yeah. And I'm thinking, I just ran, you know, 107 for the first half. And he's now, I mean, the guy changed his cadence. I mean, you can right. see he was moving. And I thought, no, <laughs> oh no, just don't get greedy here. You know, I could have yeah. went with him probably for a mile or two and then blew up spectacularly. But he went after Paul Mosling and caught Paul fairly quickly. And Paul was coming back to the rest of us. 
And then from like 15 to 20, it's kind of a blur. You're just kind of trying to keep keep running at a good pace. Sure. Well, beards at about 20, 21, my, you know, the wheel started coming off. Now, this is where you learn stuff. And if anybody's listening, you're going to run a marathon here in the near future. Again, I was not good at drinking or definitely we didn't have goo that I, right. I they might have at orange slices and bananas. And the last thing I was ever going to do in a marathon is grab a banana or an orange Ugh. slice and try to eat that thing while I'm no running. No kidding. I, it sounds like a side ache. They'd have had to do the Heimlich on me if I would have tried eating something. <laughs> You'd suck it into your lungs. Anyway, and so I'm dying and I'm kind of, I'm, I'm bonking. I am not kidding. You know, I've never really bonked in a marathon yeah. ever up until this point. But man, all at once, you know, the lights are going out and we're like at 21 miles. And when you're hitting the wall around 21 and it's still, oh my God, five miles sounded like, a, you know, they always say 20 miles, you're half done with the marathon. Well, done. That, and at 20 miles, oh, that's by St. Thomas College. Yes, you go up that big yes. hill. Oh, and the hill put me up. That took, that just punched me out. Yeah. And I am not kidding. And my stomach was giving me trouble. Why? I don't know. But, you know, it was, I felt like I needed to go to the bathroom. I started thinking, well, okay, this is not going well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop and use a porta potty potty. I'm just going to cash in my chips on this one. And I mean, I'm actually trying to figure out a way to get back to the finish line from there if there's a fast way. <laughs> but I'm, I'm running along and looking for porta potties, but there's so many people lining the course right. that I couldn't really see any. And uh, I actually remember I asked some people, there was like a couple, like, hey, do you guys know if there's any bathrooms, like gas stations around here? And they were like, um, they're like, you know, they didn't know. And I had, okay. And I kept, you know, I was kind of, I don't want to say I was jogging, but I wasn't running hard. And, right. and I come upon Dr. Paul Rather, Rather yeah. sitting on a curb. I kid you not. And I saw him cause he, we were running together earlier in the race. And I, I, I didn't know him personally. I knew who he was. And I sure. said, uh, I came up to him and I go, and he, and he was sitting there and he, and I go, do you know where there's a bathroom? I asked him that. And he goes, <laughs> and he was like disgusted. He goes, I don't know where there's a bat. You know, he, he kind of looking around and he, and I go, uh, and I kind of said like, you know, I, I'm a nice guy. How you doing? And he goes, I'm done. I am done. He was, he was sitting on the curb. <laughs> yeah. And he had this concoction, I guess he had made, he was a physician and it right. was a combination of honey and tea. And I don't know what else is in there. Kool-Aid, you know, and it was a concoction he had created for himself. And he goes, and I, and I said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling it either. And he goes, here, here, have some, have, you want some of this? He goes, I'm done. You can have it. Yeah. And I, I took a couple big hits off this thing <laughs> and you know, and it tasted great. It was sugar, yeah. honey, tea. I mean, it, it really went Probably down. Fired you up a little. And I, and I did. And I handed it, I think I gave it back to him and I said, well, I'm going to keep running. I'm looking for a porta potty. Beards, I started, I was running. I, you know, I might've stopped with him for what, 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. And I started, I was still running and a couple guys had passed me in the meantime. I don't know what place I was in. And all at once, about 22 miles, I'm not, guys aren't catching me anymore. And I'm kind of seeing guys ahead of me aren't pulling yeah. away from me anymore. And I don't know what pace I'm running, you know, 520, 530 a yeah. mile maybe. And I'm feeling good. And I swear, I don't know what was in that. It was the sugar, I'm sure. <laughs> My brain, you know, there's this theory in the lore of running. If you ever read Dr. Timothy Noakes's book, which is, it's a, it's an awesome book and anything you want to know about running. And he taught, he really believes the brain controls the body. Oh, for sure. You know, cause they've said they've done studies on marathoners when they say, oh, I hit the wall. My legs are dead. I have no glycogen left in my legs. No, they've actually had test subjects. They'll go and do muscle biopsies, believe it or not. Like right then, right post race. Guess what they find? 
plenty of glycogen in their muscles. Yeah. And then and they're going, well, why are my legs so heavy? And I can't hurt, you know, I have no turnover. They're just dead. And his theory is the brain controls everything. And the brain can only use sugar for energy. to keep. And the brain's number one job is to keep itself alive. Right. And, and you along with it, because you are your brain. Anyway, so if the brain sees your blood sugar and your glycogen blood level dropping, it's like, hey, wait a minute, you're putting me at jeopardy. And I don't know if you know what hangry is, but you know, when you're hungry and your blood sugar's low, people tend to get a little moody and feisty sure. and angry easily because their brain is not happy. Well, for runners, this is the theory is when your brain's not happy, it's like this guy, if he keeps running at this pace, is putting me at jeopardy. I'm gonna, and the term is de-innervate, I'm gonna shut off some of those neurologic, neurological pathways to their legs. Now, if yeah. some other biochemists with, or neurologists listen to this, they can chime in. And they actually, it's to slow you down. It's to slow you down. Ah. So that's why, you know, I know Rich Benio talked about these ultra marathoners and a lot of these guys are you peppermints for their stomachs. Right. Also, it's like a little sugar drip. I love a little peppermint in your you cheek. You bet. You know, and, the, and it's just a little constant. I think goos, there's only like 100 calories in a goo. If you right. look at the container, you know, and so you squeeze one of those down and you don't usually get 100% of all of it out of the package, unless you're, you know, a cyclist and you got time. But runners probably just get as much in as they right. can. And that little 100 calories, it makes the brain happy. And the brain says, as long as it's got that little dose of sugar coming in, it's like, okay, we're fine here. Keep going if you want to. It's, you know, and <laughs> yeah. you've trained. I mean, you've done your long runs. And so it's not right. anything the brain hasn't seen before. And so... I felt all at once, I'm back, I'm back. And so like 23, 24, I'm catching guys. Dang. And, uh, and then, you know, I don't and know. that's if, a good feeling. Oh, it is. I mean, to come from, to come from, <laughs> I hate to sound overdramatic, from dead. Right. To back to life. I mean, it's a, it was a startling transformation. So never count yourself out. Give no. yourself a chance. Find somebody that's got some sugary drink <laughs> or some goo or something <laughs> and give yourself a chance. And I did, and I came back alive those last two miles, and I'll never forget a nice kid named John Hogan. John was out of uh, uh, Mankato. I remember John. Was he out of Mankato, I think, or Minneapolis? Minneapolis, he, he I was think. A good kid, nice, nice kid. He and I were together, and we rounded the last corner, coming down that last straight towards the state capitol. Yeah, and, by the cathedral. Oh, man. And I don't remember grandma's earlier that year, Tom Anzac. I couldn't, I, I, I really didn't have the spunk to try to outsprint Tom Anzac. I just, yeah. he ran fast enough, so I wasn't going to catch him, but I couldn't run fat harder to catch him, and he beat me by a second. Well, when John and I came around that last quarter, I I beat John by three seconds, in the, and I mean, I ran that last 200 meters faster than I probably ran any part of the whole race. Dang. So I, I ended up eighth, and uh, I remember- Eighth overall, top yeah, yeah. 10. And I remember, you know, Beards, you were still doing radio, and, and you were so kind. Because I remember it, even though I wasn't in that lead group after about the halfway point, 14, 15 miles, you'd always say, well, the lead group, and you'd mention the guys in there, and, and you kind of, I was in the back, like, and Mike Dunlap, you know, because you know, I was off the back. But <laughs> I Beards remember keep, that. Beards was, because my, my, my folks were listening, my cousins right. in Minneapolis, they were like, man, you were right up there. Yeah, well, according to Dick, I was. Well, we got done with the race, and I remember, um, man, you know, when I finish a marathon, I am... You know, your energy, I get cold, you know, you're sweaty yes. and then you stop exercising and I chill down. And I remember, um, I, you know, I, I can't remember if we had sweats that they would have to go find them in a, a your num race number, they'd match your bag and sure. you'd go find something. But I remember going to this parking lot and since I was one of the first few runners, there right. wasn't many runners there yet. And that the sun was shining. It was a beautiful October day. 
and the pavement, the black asphalt was warm. Beards, I laid flat down on that black <laughs> pavement, spread eagle, you know, on my back. And right. it was just like, oh my God, it was like laying on a heating blanket. I bet. You know, I, oh, and it just, the heat just, it, was, it felt so good. And finally I got my bag and my stuff. And they had a VIP room at the, at the finish, some local hotel. They said, yeah, you know, the, the invited runners, anybody, I guess, that you could go access this. And they had food and drink and sodas. And like Lloyd Ness was in there. Al was, you know, all the yeah. guys were already in there kind of getting refreshments and stuff. And Beards, do you remember I used to have a problem with my stomach? Yes. And uh, when I'd finish a marathon, it, and, and it happened to me many, many times. And my, I remember. Oh, John, that happened to you a lot. A lot. I'd get a stomach ache and, and diarrhea post-race. And, and this wasn't because I drank. And I, my theory is, and I guess as a physiologist, I'm always trying to figure this stuff out. When you exercise intently, your body does a thing. It, it really tries to be efficient, and it'll shut down parts of you that you don't need to be using right now, sure. like your GI tract. You don't need to be digesting food when you're running a marathon. Now, you know, water, yes, you can be absorbing water and sugar through your yeah. intestines and all that in your stomach wall. But as far as digesting solid food, no, no, no. So, you know, when you're really putting in, in through training, your body starts uh, making decisions. And it'll, it'll shunt blood away from certain bodily areas sure. and put it where it needs it. Heart, lungs, legs, you know, kidneys, you know, all that. Well, your, your GI tract usually gets shut off. And one of my theories was, man, mine would shut off to the point where it was, it, it, it would cause me some really upset, some gastric issues. Well, I got into this VIP and I, I was cramping my abdomen, you know, it was like, it's like cramps, you know, when you sure. got to use the bathroom. And, and usually you no sooner get in there, you use the toilet. And by the, by the time you got out, guess what comes back? The cramps and you got to go right? again. I basically locked myself in that damn bathroom in this motel room for about a 45 minutes. And I remember every now and then somebody come like knock on the door. Like, is there somebody in there? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be done in a few minutes. And they'd leave. <laughs> and about five minutes later, I'd hear this. Is there somebody in there? And I go, yeah, yeah, I'm just about done. And they'd leave. They were, they probably went and found a different bathroom is what they were right. doing. And I finally got out of that place. And I know people love to hear bathroom stories. <laughs> we all go through it. Anyway, so that ended up my Twin Cities, which was really a highlight. You know, I ran three marathons. It's on the website. I ran, I ran three marathons in 1982. I usually did one a year. I did three that year. And Dan, what did you run that day? Well, you know, I ran 221.10 at Grandma's in June. I ran 221.08 at Black Hills in September. One month later, I ran 221.09. Man, talk about consistent. Did you listen to that two seconds difference out of three marathons? That's crazy. It is bizarre. I keep thinking about that. And the first race at Grandma's was even pace. I remember it was a hot headwind day. I started conservatively, ran the middle conservatively. Yep. Got to the last 2010K. That's when Mike just left me. And he said, you want to go? Let's try to catch people. I thought, nope, I'm just running steady because it was right. too hot. And I ran that just even pace. Black Hills started slow, 527 for the first Five miles, yeah, pretty comfortable pace. Then I, I put the smack down from five to 20 right. and then kind of <laughs> limped in the last five. So that was kind of an easy start, hard middle, slow end. Then Twin Cities go out at 107, come right. back with a 114, <laughs> which again, but you know, considering I was basically walking at 21, oh, yeah. 22 miles. And then these times are all, I guess my, that's, that's my bizarre. physiological ceiling that year was 221. 
Anyway, oh, and so that ended my, I think I had one more like the turkey trot that Virgil Churchman I did that November. You were pretty much after New York was your, you were no more racing. I was done. You're done. Yeah, I was done. And then I, um, you know, I started, New Balance sent me off to a couple different specialists to take a look at my Achilles. And, you know, I was in a cast for a while. And I remember that. We, I mean, they even sent me all the way. I, I swear I was putting her up to the North Pole. They sent me up to the Kevin Ryan who New was Balance. a great New Zealand runner, and he worked for New Balance. He had a, a doctor friend from Australia that practiced, way, I mean, way up like north of Edmonton, Alberta, you know, way up there in northern Canada. And so New Balance flew me up to this little town and had this doc take a look at me, and, and they put me in a cast. And, um, and I remember going out to the Honolulu Marathon in December with a cast on my leg because New Balance was – one of the sponsors back then. So we went out to, to Hawaii for the Honolulu Marathon. And I remember New Balance had this big um, kind of a get-together for all the runners. And I remember I signed like over a 1,000 of those posters oh, one night. Awesome. And I had this cast on. Well, they put it on too hard or too, too tight. So done. In the middle of the night, I wake you know Mary up and I go, I go, man, I, I got to get this cast off. So there was a hardware store still open. <laughs> so I went across the a, street. Don't tell me you got a hacksaw. I, well, I bought a pair of tin snips. <laughs> chiseling on it. I tried to cut it off, and I couldn't cut it. Well, there was a hospital there. So about 1 o'clock in the morning. I mean, my big toe on my black. left foot was the size of my head. <laughs> <laughs> it was so big, and it was turning purple. So I, I go over to the emergency room. I go... You got to cut this cast off. They go, well, we can't you know, do we don't have permission from your doctor. I go, my doctor's up in yeah. on an iceberg in Alaska. You got permission for me. <laughs> I said, please cut this thing off. So finally, they cut it off, and oh my gosh, my toe went back to normal <laughs> size. <laughs> so just to follow up, after New York running, you couldn't. Did you? Yeah, after New York, no more running. I pretty much that was the end, and I just was trying to get this Achilles healed, healed up, and okay. and it was, and, and we we'll, we can talk about that in the next podcast. Right. Kind of that whole deal leading into nineteen eighty three. Nineteen eighty three was yeah was rough. It was a rough year. All right, yeah. Beards, thanks for the. That is oh. that's I I kind of forgot about the cast. I remember you kind of telling me about that now. <laughs> <laughs> well terrible. done. It's always I tell you I can't wait to do this again next oh, week. We want to thank everybody yeah. for listening. And if you have any questions for Dunn and myself or comments about the show, please contact us directly at our website at beardsanddunpod.com, or you can sure leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or X, of course, formerly Twitter, all at Beards and Dunn Pod. Yeah, and if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit the like, comment subscribe uh, and if you enjoy the uh, podcast and you might be interested in supporting us a little bit we do have some merchandise now available you, bet. you can check that out on our site uh, thanks again everybody that might be listening to this we appreciate you checking out beards it's always a joy and a pleasure hey dan and next week we'll, we'll talk about that new world record a little bit too no doubt all right catch all right. you later have a good day buddy yep. bye-bye